Okay, if we can all come and find our seats. If you still have a seat beside you, if you want to raise your hand. Oh, there's still a few. So the people walking in, look for the hands that are raised. These are open seats. We're going to get started. That's Alan Hood over there that they're cheering for. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go ahead and pray. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. Lord, we ask that you would give us a spirit of revelation, Lord. Even as we uh, consider your heart for prophetic singing, Lord, in our day and in our time, God, I ask that you would give to us what is on your heart, Lord. Amen. And you can put your hands down now. It just We have a few more people walking in. And there's a few open seats over here. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, prophetic singing. How many of you guys were here last year at this conference? A lot of you. How many? So now switch it. How many? This is your first time. Wow, this is the first time at the One Thing Conference. That's amazing. Wow. Well, um, I love the One Thing Conference because every year I get to see so many people from all over the place coming with the same heart, with the same vision to touch God, to be wholehearted, the radical uh, lifestyle. I love, I love, these are my people, you know, every year it's like they're coming from everywhere, the kindred spirit, which is so rare in the earth, all coming together. So I love this conference. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my own story uh, into prophetic singing, into the house of prayer, and then what it means to you and what I think is on God's heart in singing. How many of you are singers? Wow. How many of you are musicians? How many of you are both? <laughs> they look like I'm in good company. This is incredible to me that there are this many singers and musicians in this room. Wow. Um, I believe that the Lord is raising up, which you've heard it over and over again. He is raising up a worldwide worship movement that is unprecedented. It's something that we have only ever faintly heard about, maybe. And I believe that at the same time, Satan is raising up a worldwide worship movement. And we can see it. We can see it in the secular realms of music that he is preparing a generation in the realm of music. And I believe that music and spirit are very much uh, combined because we're made as musical beings. And our spirits, we move in a, a musical way. All, even people who aren't musicians, even people who aren't singers, they come, they, their spirits move with music. I think that music is one of the most powerful realities on the planet. And it's a scary reality. I remember when I was younger, I was raised in a, a, a family of musicians. My mother's a musician. So we sang and we played a lot. But there came a time in my life where I didn't like music. Because I thought it was manipulative, because it's so powerful, and it can make a whole room feel the same thing at the same time. And there's nothing else. No words can do that. No preaching can do that. No movie can even do that. But music creates an emotion in everyone at the same time. And you put lyrics on top of that music, and everybody is feeling the same thing, saying the same thing at the same time. Music is one of the primary ways that the Lord is going to unify the bride. It's the, one of the primary ways that he's going to unify uh, the entire church at the end of the age. Can you turn this microphone up just a little bit? There's a few people saying they can't hear. Oh, where's the sound? Are you the sound? Oh, 
<laughs> I'm waving back there. She's looking at me like, I don't, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tr- actually I tremble a lot when I think about uh, the power of what God has put in our hands as musicians and as singers. It is, it truly is a powerful, powerful tool. If you look through history, anytime there was a revolution in, in any generation, it was centered around music every single time. And even, I mean, every single time there's some kind of wave of music that would change the understanding and the and expression of that generation. Music is so scary to me the power of it and then you get the holy spirit power on men and women who are living lifestyles that he's going to back up with his presence and we can truly change the world you can change the world for real through the power of worship this is where this thing is going i believe there's the new song is mentioned about seven or eight times in the the Bible, and every time that the new song is mentioned, with maybe the exception of once, it's always in context to the end times. It's always in that generation right before Jesus comes back to the planet. There's this new song that is rising all across the world. I believe that we are in the beginning of that generation. I truly believe that that um, I am going to see the coming of Jesus. If it's not me, it's going to be the, the generation right under me. And I believe that there is a new song that he is raising up all across the world. How many of you have heard the phrase, you know, a new song or a new sound? And there's so many definitions of what that might be. And or if it, maybe it's a cool rhythm or maybe it's a cool this. And I think the new song is a message. I think that the new song is because he's doing something new. It's because in, in the scripture, whenever it talks about uh, the song, the song always commemorated something. You know, it would be the song of Moses or it was the song of this generation or a song of that generation. The new song is because there's something new that he's doing. And I believe that new thing that he's doing is called the second coming. I believe the new thing he's doing is he's about to split the sky, come back to the planet as a man, I mean, I really believe this. This sounds outrageous, doesn't it? I believe that Jesus is going to come back to the planet as a Jewish man. And like I say, brown eyes, brown hair, not that tall. Jewish man who was born to be a king is coming back to the planet. And he is going to come back to the planet in response to the bride who is going to be singing unified globally. This is intense where this thing is going. And I'm looking at your faces and I'm going, God, these, this is who you've chosen. This is a, at least a, a stream of people that you've chosen for such a time as this to raise up a new sound, a new song in the earth for such a time as this to, to usher in the second coming. I mean, do you have any idea who you are? Do you have any idea what you just got yourself into? I mean, we have no comprehension where this thing is going. And we are only at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. So I wanna, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of the big picture of what I believe the new song of the Lord is. In Isaiah 42, or I don't know if you're familiar with that passage, if you want to write it down. Isaiah 42 is one of my favorite, favorite passages of all times.
And in this passage, it goes, the first half of the chapter is talking about the first coming of Jesus. And it's talking about the things that he did when he first came. And Isaiah's talking about how he was quiet, he was all of these things. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the chapter, he, Isaiah stops and he goes, Behold, the former things have already happened. I'm about to do a new thing, and I'm going to tell you before it springs up. And then right after that, he starts to prophesy, and he goes, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord from the ends of the earth. And he starts to prophesy to all of the different places of the world to start to sing. And then right after that, it goes, Why, why is Isaiah saying, Now is the time to sing? What are the former things that have happened, and what are the things that are about to take place? Right after that, it says, because the Lord God Almighty is going to go forth like a mighty man of war. He's going to go forth like a mighty man of war. He says, I've been silent. I've held my peace. You know, you look at 2,000 years of history of how silent Jesus seemingly has been. And he goes, but I'm about to pant. I'm about to gasp. I'm about to cry out. And I'm about to, to scream like a woman in labor. I'm going to split the sky and I'm going to return to the planet at the sound of your song. It's the song that beckons him to come. It's the song because the song unifies the bride. The song tenderizes the heart. The song of the Lord also it gives people understanding of who he is. The song of the Lord has so many, many elements. I want to tell you a dream that I often tell when I talk about the song of the Lord. I had this dream because whenever I first started the house of prayer, I'll back up a little bit. When I started the house of prayer, I was 19 years old, and um, I, I, this, I was kind of going through my phase of I didn't want to be a singer. I don't know if any of you singers have ever experienced that. I, I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but I thought singers were flaky, and I was like, I don't want to be one of those flaky singers. I want to know the Bible. I'm going to go deep in God. I want, I want to live radical. And I had this whole paradigm of what a singer was that I didn't want to be. So I went around going, I'm not a singer, I'm not a singer, da 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 So the Lord had to come to me in a dream to get me to, to sing. And so in this dream, I am in a church service. And in the church service, it's like very mechanical and very, it's a big church, very plastic. And everybody's just kind of like robots, you know, they're moving around. It's very creepy. The whole thing is very creepy. And they're having a party. And they're all celebrating and it's this, just this party. And um, I'm going what is going on? And all of a sudden, I start hearing this rhythm. And it's going... It is the most terrifying rhythm I've ever heard. And all of a sudden, my heart starts pounding. And I go, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. So I start running to the rhythm of this beat. And I'm running out the door. And right when I get out into this big open space, I run over to the very edge of this atomic explosion. It's like this pit. It's this horrible explosion. And the Lord or, or an angel, someone's standing here beside me, and I go, I don't know what that is, but I don't want to go near it. I am literally petrified in my dream. I'm not that much of a dreamer, but this was, this was of a whole other order. I'm, trying, I'm repenting, thinking I must have done something wrong to get here because I'm so scared. So I'm going, Lord, forgive me for this and forgive me for that. Just get me out of this dream. I don't know how I got here. So I'm at the edge of this explosion, and I go, I don't want to go near that thing. No, thank you. The next thing I know, I'm going straight into the middle of this mass chaos and total 
destruction. And I like hit the ground and I look around and it is code red. I mean, there's alarms going off. It is war. It's blood. It's fire. It's smoke. It's war. It's chaos. It is destruction. And I am looking around. I am in a total panic and I am petrified. I am really repenting now, trying to get out of the stream. I did not want to be here. I am petrified. This is so real to me. And all of a sudden, this beat is getting louder and louder. It's just going. And I look and I see the Lord. And the Lord is running to the rhythm of this beat. And the Lord was running like a lion. He was a man, but he was moving like a lion. You know, like if you've ever seen like National Geographic or something, how a lion would move. That's how he was moving. And he had the most intense look on his face. I mean, he had the most intense look. He was petrifying to me. And I knew instantly when I saw him that he was the one that was initiating this destruction. And I was totally confused. I was meditating on Song of Solomon before I went to sleep. And I was like, what happened to my Song of Solomon, Jesus? I'm like, this isn't, I don't get this at all. And I I was totally confused. I hadn't had a lot of teaching on the end times or the bridegroom, king, and judge. I had no paradigm for this at all. And um, I see the Lord, and he looks at me, and I go, Lord. I go, Lord, what is going on? Where, what is going on? I said this in my heart. And the Lord looked at me and he goes, zeal for my house has consumed me. Zeal for my house has consumed me. And it like thundered on the inside of me. And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I go, but if this is you, I go, there's no evil in you. How, what, if this is you, what's evil? And he like points this way and I follow his finger and I see like, a Buddhist monk of sorts, and it's this aura of peace, and he's growing flowers, and there's just all this, like, peace and safety. And the Lord looked right at me, and he goes, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good in that day, and blessed are you if you are not offended. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good in that day, and blessed are you if you are not offended. I said, Lord, I am not offended. I'm thinking, get, just, you can think about this later, just get out of this dream. I said, Lord, I am, I am not offended. I go, but God, Lord, if this is you, what do you want me to do? And he looked right at me and he pointed me right in the face and he goes, sing, Zion, sing, sing, Zion, sing. And I began to weep and to weep. And I woke up in my bed, just trembling in my bed under the fear of the Lord. I believe what I saw a picture of was Isaiah 24, Isaiah 42, Zephaniah 3, Revelation 5. There are so many passages that talk about the song of the Lord. And every single time, with maybe a few exceptions, when the song of the Lord is mentioned, it is in context to the second coming. And it is in context to a bridegroom who was born to be a king who's coming to judge the earth. It says in Habakkuk that he will shake everything that can be shaken. And he's about to take the globe in his hand and shake it and turn it upside down. And you were born for such a time as this to tenderize the hearts of his people so that there, that there will not be a whole church of people who fall away in the great apostasy. 
He has raised you up so that you can understand why he's doing what he's doing. So you can be men and women like King David who are after his heart, who can interpret his judgments, who can interpret his strong right hand, who can interpret why he's doing what he's doing in our day. There is going to be mass chaos in the church in the next few years over this one topic. There is going to be utter confusion over this topic there already is and I believe it's going to increase and it's going to increase and it's going to increase and maybe you go I don't even know if I believe that I don't know the end of the age of Jesus coming back I mean you might as well be saying Elvis is coming back I don't I don't get it or maybe you go I haven't studied that I I mean I dare you to study it (laughs) I challenge you, don't take it because Mike Bickle says it or Dave Slyker says it or because I had a dream or you had a dream. Get your Bible out, get a jug of water, go on a fast and ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher and get the book open and figure it out for yourself. I'm telling you, if you get into the scriptures, I really believe that the spirit of revelation will come upon your life and you will, you will, your eyes will be opened. I really believe that we are in this generation. Again, it may be 40 or 50 years down the road, but I believe we are at the beginning. That changes everything that we do as singers and musicians. We don't have time to just be cool. You know what I'm saying? We don't have time to be the next cool thing that hits worship. We don't have time to just find the new cool guitar lick and maybe, maybe a nice little chorus and we can get the room jiving a little bit. We don't have time for this. We don't have time to waste. If this is the generation that the Lord is going to return and one of the primary ways he is going to prepare the globe for that great and terrible day is through your voice, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? If it's through your hands playing on your instrument that he's going to tenderize the heart of his bride, that he's going to send forth the oil upon the heart that keeps men and women from offense, what are you going to do about it? What are you doing in your secret place to understand these things? And even you, maybe you're going, again, maybe you're going, I don't believe those things. Well, we'll figure it out because this, this topic is going to be coming to the surface in the body of Christ in the next decade. I promise you, this is going to be one of the number one themes in the church. Much debate, a lot of, of this side of the fence and that side of the fence. And you need to know where you stand on the topic of the second coming. I, wanna, I need to know where I stand on it. I believe that we are in a transitional generation a transitional generation, you know, there, there, there haven't, there's only been three in history. And one of those, the second transitional generation was when Jesus was standing in the flesh. I mean, God himself wearing skin, standing in front of a whole generation of people. And in Matthew 11, he goes, he, he's talking to the John the Baptist crowd. Are you, I don't know if you're familiar with Matthew 11. It's one of my favorite passages. And he goes, you don't even know what time it is. He's like, I'm standing in front of you and you didn't dance and you didn't lament. And you said that John the Baptist had a demon and you're, he goes, you, you're, he goes, you're not responding. I feel like we're in one of those hours of history where the Holy Spirit is beginning to pour himself out or the father's pouring out the spirit in a greater measure. And I believe he wants to wake us up and he wants to primarily wake up 
singers and musicians because, like I said in the beginning, if singers and musicians got gripped with the hour that we live in, it would be a revolution for real, a real revolution. We need a cause if we're going to have a revolution, right? The cause is the second coming. He's coming back to the planet at the sound of your voice. I believe that this is what the Lord is doing all across the world. I believe that this is what he's doing in, I mean, in every country. It's not just what, it's not what we're doing at IHOP. That's just, a, that's just a, a baby picture of what God is going to do globally. He's raising up worship leaders all over the world who have the anointing on their lives that are going to, to bring in the second coming. I mean, he's doing it. He's doing it supernaturally. It just makes me tremble watching it happen. I think that it's going to change, though. We're not going to only have our normal Sunday morning worship. As, I mean, I think that that's awesome, but there's a lifestyle of worship that the Lord wants us to enter into. It's a lifestyle. That's the glory of a... I mean, I'm so honored that I get to be a part of a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week worship environment because I get to lead... I mean, I, lead, I, I'm, I do 12 sets a week that I'm leading or that I'm responsible for, and they're two hours set. So that's 24 hours a week that I'm actually singing on a platform. I'm either leading or I'm singing. So I get to sing a ton, I mean, compared to just, a, you know, a normal Sunday morning. So the lifestyle of worship, um, I think that that's one of the ways that the Lord is changing our understanding as singers and musicians. It's not only just learning, learning your songs and doing them on Sunday morning, but it's living in a place of worship. And you don't have to be a part of a 24-hour, seven-days-a-week environment to do that. You can do that in your closet, and you should be doing it in your closet. You can do that in small groups. You can, you can do that wherever you are, but the point is that you're, you're getting in the place of worship over and over and over again, so you're exercising that muscle. You know what I'm saying? So that when the Lord does put you in front of people, you have an overflow. We should be living lives of worship. You can do, you know, you could do your your six sets a week just by yourself. Just be at your your keyboard, you know, two hours every day. Go, I am going, I am called to be a singer. I am called to be a worship leader. Maybe nobody in your church recognizes that. Maybe you, you, nobody knows who you are, but God knows who you are. And his eye is on you in the same way that his eye was on King David. You know, he was out in the, he was out in the field. He was out in no man's land with the sheep, with his guitar. And he was just worshiping Jesus or worshiping God. He didn't know who it was yet. He was worshiping. He was just worshiping. And I believe that there's many of you in this room. Maybe you're from Podunkville. Like, I'm from a little tiny town called Sundown. A little tiny town in Texas. And, um, yeah. <laughs> little, little tiny town. And I remember I would sit for hours and hours. I mean, there's nothing else to do, honestly. <laughs> Not in Sundown. But I would sit for hours and just... And just worship, because just because he's worthy. And I knew that he was watching. And that's the beauty of worship, is that you get in the place where it's the place of encounter. That's why it's so crucial that we do this in our private lives. Because if you don't live a life of encounter, you're not going to lead other people into encounter. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna lead, you can lead people to move a little, to jump a little, which is awesome. I love that stuff. But if you don't lead them into encounter, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean that much in the end, right? And so my vision, this is my second point, my vision is presence worship. 
Have you ever heard that phrase, presence worship? I lo- I, this is my number one vision as a worship leader, as a singer, as a songwriter, um, is presence worship. And just in light of the hour that I believe we live in, and even if you don't yet believe it's the end of the age, I mean, all you've got to do is look around the world and feel the urgency of crisis. It's all around us. You know, the, our generation is just, we're, the knowledge of God is so rare. It's, it's just even what the environment as it is creates a spirit of urgency. But my vision is presence worship. And what I mean by that is I mean worship where God shows up. And you know, that's happening in some places now to a certain degree. It really is happening where God is showing up in our worship times and people are getting healed and saved and delivered and set free. I mean, I, I hear these stories from different places where this is really happening. You know, like at Morningstar, I've heard some stories coming out of there that this is really happening. At Reading, this kind of stuff happens. It's happening in different little pockets where the, the Lord is beginning to breathe on worship. But I believe where it's going... It's going to go even to, did I just get louder? It's going to go to even a different, a different level of presence worship where um, lost people come in off the street and they get saved. You know what I'm saying? Where, where when you strum your guitar or when you sing that song, there's a, there's, what I mean by presence is there's a weight in the room where people go, there is a God there is a God, there is a God, oh my God, oh my God, there is a God. You know that feeling like he's really, really real and he's really, really watching me. (laughs) The fear of the Lord, that's clean, that feeling. I want this in my worship so bad. I've I've only barely, barely touched it. I'm so hungry for it. So my question is what... What would attract God's presence? As a worshiper, what attracts God's presence? And I believe that God anoints. He's not just going to anoint a song, although he does anoint songs, or a cool beat or a cool guitar lick. He anoints lives. Who are men and women who are living the lifestyle of like John the Baptist, you know, the fasted lifestyle, which is so contrary very often to musicians and singers. That, that, that lifestyle doesn't typically go hand in hand. At least not, not the musicians and singers that I typically know. But living in the fasted lifestyle of the Sermon on the Mount, life of humility, giving, forgiving, blessing our enemies. I mean, like what Mike talked about this morning, living that happy holiness from the inside out. I believe that these are the kind of men and women that the Lord is going to put his spirit on. And then when he puts his spirit on you, then... I mean, it doesn't matter. Things change. The whole atmosphere changes. I really believe that we're going to see healing break out in mass numbers that we have not, that we've only began to see. I believe we're going to see salvation. I believe that, that truly the lost are going to just come walking into a room and the weight of God is going to be there because he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits worship. He inhabits it. Worship is the place of encounter. It's the place where we, as, as one body, stand before God and we encounter him. There's no other place you can do that except in worship. I think it's just beautiful. That's what separates worship from you know, secular music. Is There's a sense of unity and there's the very presence of God. 
I mean, this is, you know, sometimes when you're in prayer or you're in worship and you, you feel God on the inside, you know, those few times that, we, that I like live for, you know, where I feel God or I feel the tangible presence. Can you imagine that feeling times 10 in a whole room? Can you imagine what that would look like when God really shows up in our worship in a way that he's, he hasn't shown up yet? Where God actually shows up? This is my number one vision. Presence worship. But to do, to it, enable to attract God's attention, we have to live lifestyles that are going to attract His attention. And that's why people, are, people often ask me about, you know, singing. And, and I always go straight to the lifestyle. And they're like, why are you telling me about the lifestyle? I want to know about singing. I'm like, you, to me, you can't separate the two. Because I don't want to just be a singer. I want to be a messenger that God anoints with presence. I don't want to just be a musician. I want to be a prophet. You want to be a prophetic voice. To be a prophetic voice, you have to, be, you have to embody the message. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to just be cool. <laughs> I hate cool. It just bugs me. Because <laughs> I, I, it, it, it I want humility. We want a humility that attracts the attention of God, that changes the atmosphere and changes lives. This is what we want. This is what God wants. So I believe that the answer to the crisis that's about to hit the planet is presence worship. I believe we're going to have stadiums filled day and night with presence worship, with God showing up in a way, again, that we cannot even comprehend. Um, so I want to switch points, a little, switch streams a little bit here. And I want to talk about what is prophetic, wor- prophetic worship. I think there's two different streams. Who has a clock? Do you have a clock? Okay, thank you. I don't want to lose track of time. <laughs> okay, so I want, to, I want to go two different streams real quick. The first stream is prophetic singing, you know, what we do with our voices. And then the second one is prophetic music. First of all, what is prophetic? We put that title in front of everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, is that really prophetic? It's like, that's prophetic, that's prophetic. Everything's all of a sudden prophetic. I don't even know what prophetic means anymore. <laughs> but I think it means <laughs> prophetic is the unction of the Holy Spirit. I don't think prophetic necessarily means spontaneous. I think it means it's what God is backing up. It's the unction. Like you find that one song that you feel the swoosh on. You know what I'm talking about? That swoosh, that's the prophetic. Keep singing that song. You know, that's what I'm talking about by the prophetic. The prophetic is, also has a strong element of spon- spontaneity. It's, it's when the Holy Spirit, when you become a mouthpiece and the Holy Spirit sings through you, when you become the voice of God, it's prophetic in that sense that you're a mouthpiece. Or, as a musician, you're, you're, you're playing what's on his heart. You're giving expression to the Spirit. Does that make sense? The prophetic is giving expression to the Spirit. And I, I want to be a prophetic singer. I want to be a prophetic musician. I want to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is thinking and feeling and doing and saying. And that's what I want to do. That's where I come alive. So I think in prophetic singing, I think of about three different realms or three different avenues of the prophetic. One, well, maybe four. <laughs> One is just like I was saying, just finding songs. If you're a worship leader... Finding songs that you feel the Holy Spirit on. If your heart cannot connect with that song, don't lead it. You know what I'm saying? Do songs that you feel God moving on. 
It's a huge songs. The song selection is huge. The second thing is what is God saying in the globe today? That's prophetic. Wherever you're in a you're in a prophetic worship time and the Holy Spirit, you know that how many of you are prophetic singers? Have you experienced with prophetic? You know, you get that thing, the Holy Spirit. It says that the Spirit lives inside of us. He's real. He's a real personality who lives on the inside of us, which is just an outrageous topic. And whenever I'm up there and I'm singing, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, I'm going, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And I'll get an impression or a verse will come into my mind as a singer or someone in the room will catch my eye. So maybe I'm on the what is God saying globally and, you know, Isaiah 42 will pop into my mind. And so I'll open it up and I'll give an oracle in Isaiah 42. And then a second way is what is God saying to a certain region? Like maybe I'm at a a church that I'm visiting and I'm going, Lord, what is your heart for this people? What is your heart for this people? And he'll give me a verse or a picture and I'll sing that out. And then the third one, which I love to do this, is I'll be looking across a room like this. I'll be on the keyboard and my eyes will just fall on someone. I do this. So this is one of the best ways, I think, to exercise our prophetic singing. My eyes will fall on someone, and I typically don't stop the room and go like, you in the blue, the Lord says. I don't typically do that. That's cool. I'm a little chicken. I don't really do that. I just kind of start singing over them, and almost, like nine times out of ten, their entire countenance will change. They start to sob. They don't even know that I'm, I'm singing over them. And I'll ask, because the Holy Spirit loves people. He loves people. The Holy Spirit is here to prepare people for Jesus. That's his job. He loves people. So I'm like, you know these people. You know all their hearts. You know their secret history. You know that one phrase that they're, they're thinking. You know it. Give it to me. Just give me a little piece that would woo their hearts into the romance of the gospel, that would woo their heart deeper into you. Give me a phrase. Give me a, a picture. I love doing that. And the Holy Spirit is so kind. He actually, he actually does it. And then I'll just prophesy over people. That's one of the ways that I really stretch that muscle of the prophetic. I love to do that as a singer. Okay, and then I want to go to prophetic music. This is prophetic music. Again, how many of you are musicians? This is incredible. Prophetic music is like my passion. Oh my gosh. There is nothing, I'm not even exaggerating, there's nothing more exhilarating that I've experienced in life than the swoosh of prophetic music. It's like your feet come off the globe. I mean, it truly has a spirit of holiness on it that makes you feel like you're going to transcend. I love unction on music. And, it can, and sometimes it can be so simple. It can be one melody or it can be just that certain beat or something that just reaches in and rips your heart out and it it i love prophetic music it is so it is next to impossible to be a prophetic singer without prophetic music you got to start with the music and i think that even in our teaching on the prophetic the 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 musicians have kind of been left kind of hanging out like okay what does that mean for me what does that mean for me it means everything for you Prophetic music is the where I believe the Lord is going to express his heart the gra- at the greatest level. Again, you can get a whole room feeling the same thing at the same time with music. Music tenderizes the heart. 
music, it, it creates aggression. You know, if you get a certain, a certain aggressive, which I love really aggressive music, if you get a certain aggressive music, the whole room will be like, yeah, you know, they're all standing up and they, they all have this like spirit of aggression on them all of a sudden. Even the little sweet little girls who never are like that, all of a sudden they're like, it's music. It's just it's the power of music. And that's why the Lord wants to anoint musicians. But I believe that, and this is a pretty big statement, but I believe that a lot of our musicians are living, we're living in the gray. We're listening to a lot of secular music because we think we need to learn from secular musicians. And we're just kind of regurgitating the same things over and over and over. And I've done that, so I'm putting myself in that camp. We're just kind of regurgitating the same thing over and over and over and over and over, looking at the world and kind of, by the time we figure out what they're doing that's cool, it's not cool anymore, and now the church is doing it and the world's moved on. And we're like, oh, what? we can't play catch up. We got to get in front of this train and start a revolution. We got to change music. We don't want to learn from secular musicians. We don't need to. The Holy Spirit is the musician of all musicians. He knows music. He knows human spirits. He knows Jesus. He knows what is going to connect the two. The Holy Spirit knows. He, it says that he will be our teacher. I believe if as musicians we shut off our, our radios for a little while, our CD players, our, our iPods, we turn off the music, even, I'm not saying forever, but just turn it off for a little while, get at your instrument and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and give it time. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, and I promise you, He will. He will. It may take a little time, but He will teach you. Pray in the Spirit. Like, I love to sit up the keyboard and just pray in the Spirit. Pray and I commune with the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, you know, you know music. You know people. You know, that, you know what I'm trying to do here. You teach me. And then that way we can, we can come with new things. That's a new sound. You know what I'm saying? Instead of looking over the fence. I believe that the Lord is going to anoint music at a level that is going to create encounter. You know, the world has heard so much music. I mean, you go to the grocery store, there's music. There's music everywhere. I mean, it's like music, 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 music. This whole world is going to the rhythm of something. <laughs> there's music everywhere. It's not that impressive anymore. Does that make sense? The world is not that impressed by our latest music thing. What they're going to be impressed with is encounter. And music is the, the riverbed, so to speak, that's going to contain the Holy Spirit. Music is the thing that's going to make the way for a room to encounter God, to really encounter God. I think we need to throw off our genres. We need to throw off our, every, every box that we put ourselves in and say, well, I'm this kind of musician or I'm that kind of musician. We need to get rid of all of that. And get with the Holy Spirit and ask him to teach us. And then get with one another. Maybe you're not in a band right now. Maybe you're not playing on a worship team. But find two or three musicians, a couple of singers. Find some place where you guys can just jam together. But jam in the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Sit in a circle. Ask the Holy Spirit to come to teach you how to play. And experiment. Experiment with different chords. Experiment with different sounds. Ask him to teach you, and he will. Again, I believe that music, I can't say it enough. I think that music is the place where this whole thing, this whole thing starts with, with the music. We can't do the rest of it without it. And one of the ways, how many of you are worship leaders, like, like currently leading worship? 
That's a lot. One of the ways as a worship leader that I like to... What time is it? Okay, I'm almost done. One of the ways I like to to really get my musicians, because I lean heavily on my musicians, and half of what we do at the House of Prayer is spontaneous. So half of it is like a known song that we've worked out and we've arranged. The other half, literally, you know, in a two-hour set, at least one hour of it is going to be spontaneous, which is what keeps it alive, you know, because you don't really know where you're going. It's, it's kind of like the only musicians of the world that I know of that, are, that do that would be like jazz musicians. They kind of, I don't know a lot of other genres that, that live in that much spontaneity. I love it. I mean, I would, I, I'm not a box girl. I like spontaneity. I don't like knowing where I'm going. I, I love that feeling. Um, some people don't like that. I like it. <laughs> So half of what we do is spontaneous. And you have, you have to practice your instrument. You've got to know what you're doing. You can't just get up there and expect the Holy Spirit to just, you know, play through you completely. You've got to know what you're doing. But I have amazing musicians. And so what I'll do as a worship leader is I, we just open it up, you know, and my bass player will start playing a bass line. Just, she just comes up with it on the spot. And then all of a sudden Paco, my drummer, jumps on it. Then the guitars jump on it, and we're creating on the spot. It's like an adrenaline rush. You know, it's unfolding right there in front of you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, we, did, we found something, we found something. And then one of the singers will put a chorus on top of it, and then we'll put other scriptures to it. And we're, we're creating. We're made to create. The creating of it is the most exhilarating part for me. But, you, but as worship leaders, you have to leave space for your musicians. You have to make a way for them to flop a few times. <laughs> You know, I'm like, if my musicians don't flop at least two times a week, they're not doing well. They got to like at least mess up twice. It means they're not taking enough risk. And the same thing with the singers. You got to be willing to flop a few times, to crash a few times, take a few risks and get out there and push the, the boundaries of prophetic on the spot. I mean, as musicians looking around the room, asking God, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Maybe, maybe you get a, a certain impression that the Lord is feeling this and start to try to play that emotion, play that, that, uh, that prophecy prophesy with your instrument and i promise you you will get caught up into a swoosh of presence that we haven't seen yet um that is that's where i believe uh, presence worship is really going to come it's when a whole band of people are communing with the holy spirit at the same time it's beautiful like we cannot we could not if we were not fellowshiping with the holy spirit create the, the way that we create on the spot uh, we just couldn't. We wouldn't have that much unity uh, to create. So I believe that fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit as a, as a unit, as a band, is the number one way to practice the presence, so to speak. And I'm just going to sum it all up. Because, the, again, the purpose of all of this is because of the urgency of the hour. We want to be prophetic messengers, not just cool musicians. We want to be people of the Spirit that the Lord shows up in our meetings to prepare his bride for the second coming. And the number one thing to walk away with is don't despise the day of small beginnings. You cannot despise the day of small beginnings. It always feels little. It always feels rough. <laughs> it just does. It always feels like you're, you're forgotten and you're in the back of nowhere and you can't get another musician who can stay on, who can stay on beat. <laughs> I mean, it always feels like that. But start small and stay steady. Stay steady, and I promise you, over time, things will start to unfold. If you stay steady, you stay humble, you stay teachable, things will start to unfold, and the Lord himself will call you forth 
when it's time. Okay, I'm going to pray for you guys. And then Julie Meyer is going to be in here in like 15 minutes. I strongly want to urge you guys to hear Julie Meyer. She is incredible. And I know what she's going to talk about in this, the singing. She's going to give more practicals of like how to sing, how to carry your heart. Um, she's amazing. So stay for that. But I want to pray for you before we break. So God, I just, I ask that you would even take, Lord, fumbled, weak words, God, and you would uh, just mark these musicians. Lord, I pray specifically for the musicians in this room, God. Lord, I ask for courage to turn off the music and get in the spirit. Lord, I ask for courage. I ask for courage to think outside of the box, to think creatively, to press the limits. I want to have all the musicians stand up. If you play an instrument, how many of you are drummers? I love drummers. How many of you are bass players? God, I just, I pray, Lord, I pray for the musicians in this room, which is almost everybody in this room. Lord, I pray that you would, you yourself would teach us. God, here we are. We are weak. Lord, we don't even know where to start when it comes to prophetic music. God, we don't know the way, but I ask that you would show us the way. Lord, I ask that you would visit these young men, these young women, that you would visit them with dreams in the night. Lord, that you would give them melodies from heaven, that you would give them rhythms from heaven and songs. God, I ask for a revolution in music, Lord, a real revolution, God, that we wouldn't be looking over the fence trying to figure out what the world's doing, but we would start something. Lord, I ask that we would start something. God, I ask for a revolution. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. Lord, again, take weak words. And bless Alan. Amen.